Welcome to the Center Point Pentecostal Church Podcast. We hope that this podcast finds you well and that you are ready for a life-changing message from one of our outstanding and anointed ministers. If you like this podcast, please be sure to give us a follow and a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Now let's get to today's message. Genesis chapter 28. And we're going to start at verse 10. I'm going to read from the screen, if that's okay with you guys. And Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Therefore, encourage, admonish, exhort one another and edify, strengthen and build up one another, just as you are doing. I'm sorry, that's... That's off. We left Genesis and went to Thessalonians and then Colossians. I'm sorry. Can we go to Genesis 28, 10 through 22 is what we're going to start with. There we go. Genesis 28, 10, there we go, 11. And he came to a certain place and stayed there overnight because the sun was set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down there to sleep and he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it and behold the Lord stood over and beside him and said I am the Lord the God of Abraham your father forefather and the God of Isaac I will give to you your descendants the the land on which you are lying And your offspring shall be as countless as the dust or sand of the ground. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and the north and the south. And by you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed and bless themselves. And behold, I am with you and I will keep watch over you with care. Take notice of you wherever you may go and I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done all of which I have told you. And Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, How to be feared and reverenced is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gateway to heaven. And Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone he had put under his head, and he set it up for a pillar, a monument to the vision in his dream, and he poured oil on its top in dedication and he named that place Bethel the house of God but the name of that city was Luz at first then Jacob made a vow saying if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me food to eat and clothing to wear so that I may come again to my father's house in peace then the Lord shall be my God And this stone, which I have set up as a pillar, monument, shall be God's house, a sacred place to me. And all of the increase of possessions that you give me, I will give the tenth to you. We're going to read some more in just a few minutes, but I want you to understand this tonight. The latter was a symbol of the connection between heaven and earth. It represents progress, growth, a pathway, a connection between God and us, a connection of righteousness, a spiritual journey, 
that we take through life, that ladder is a representation of all those things. In the Bible, the ladder represents that. Jacob's ladder, which is what this is often referred to, established contact between man and God. So my title for tonight is very simple. It goes along with what I just told you. It's called The Great Connection. The Great Connection. And I'm going to take a sip of water before I read the next passage. And I want you guys to, to think about this. Hey, your feet are going to get tired. You can take a break if you want to. It won't bother me. I appreciate you. What instrument do you not play? Again, the devil gets worried when he sees people giving their talents to the church and to serve. And I'm so grateful for all of these musicians. I don't know if y'all know, but he plays like five or six instruments, maybe more. So in this great connection, Jacob ended up having a wrestling match. And we're going to read again in just a minute about that wrestling match. And it is believed by theologians that the wrestling match was Jacob wrestling with an angel or maybe even God himself. And Jacob's struggle with God is symbolic. It's Jacob really struggling with his inner self and how he was going to connect with God and how he was going to suppress himself because he had weaknesses, just like I have weaknesses. I'll tell you about some of my weaknesses. Some of them are insecurities. Some of them are weaknesses or that this, this kind of combats insecurities and weaknesses. Here's another weakness that I feel I had to remind myself is a weakness. And if any of you have ever struggled with this, you'll understand too. But too much self-reliance, that can be a weakness too. Because then you're not relying on the people that God gave you if you're relying on yourself too much. So let's look at Genesis 32, 24 through 30. Now remember, I know this is going to seem a little annoying at first, but, and I had to, I had to correct myself um, when, when putting this together because I, I said, you know what, am I sharing too much Scripture? And I don't want you guys to get bored by Scripture. And if we ever get bored by Scripture, that's a bad place to be. What we really need to do is we really need to read it and dig into it and understand it. We cannot get bored with it. God is really trying to tell us something through these words. So in Genesis 32, 24 through 30, it is very interesting what happens to Jacob. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and Jacob's thigh was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you declare a blessing upon me. The man asked him, what is your name? And in shock of realization, whispering, he said, Jacob, supplanter, schemer, trickster, swindler. That's what his name meant. And he said, your name shall be called no more Jacob, supplanter, but Israel, contender with God. For you have contended and have power with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, tell me, I pray you, what in contrast is your name? But he said, why is it that thou ask my name? And the angel of God declared a blessing on Jacob there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, the face of God, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and my life is spared and not snatched away. Now, that was closer than I thought. Now, whenever Jacob is in this struggle, 
he is so, so adamant and forceful that even when the angel tells him it's over, we're done, he says, no, I am not finished. He refused to give up. However, alone, sometimes we will give up. If, um, Brendan, if you could have uh, the assistants bring out my prop for this evening. Have you guys ever heard of a preacher by the name of Jimmy Tony? Brother Jimmy Tony said many years ago at a, I think it was a men's conference or camp meeting, it was here in Louisiana, he said, every bad sermon needs a prop. So I've got a prop for you tonight, and I'm not saying that this is a bad sermon. Anything with the word of God is good if we receive it the right way. So this is a spiritual connection that Jacob is trying to have with heaven, that Jacob did have with heaven, and he was adamant about receiving something from heaven. So whenever this connection is happening, he gets forced to refuse quitting. Have any of you ever been forced to quit something? It stinks, right? It's very uncomfortable when you want to quit, when you don't want to quit, but somebody's making you. I'm going to just... Um, be very blunt with you guys tonight and tell you I have been can I come down here and talk to you also I can see you a little bit better while they're setting that up I have been forced to quit playing video games when my mom said go to bed because I had school the next day has that ever happened to anybody else my wife to put the chips away because she reminded me that I'm probably full has that ever happened to anybody else just me I have been forced, again, by my wife, to tell the waiter, no, I can't handle any more crawfish after paying the all-you-can-eat price of $44.99, and I felt like I could put away some more. But after about 12 pounds, it was becoming gluttonous, and my wife said no. I didn't want to quit, but I was told no, and I needed somebody else to tell me, okay, you've had enough. But in the same way that we need people to tell us that you've had enough, we need people to also tell us, keep going. Right? And there have been times in my life where I wish I would have had somebody to tell me to keep going, but I didn't. I had nobody helping me through something one time, and it just was so, so, so uncomfortable. And in that position, I ended up failing and recognizing later that even through my failure, God still protected me because somebody else was praying for me even though I didn't know about it. People have prayed for me before way before I was even here. Before anybody knew that I would be standing in front of you with a microphone, somebody was praying for me. Amen? And I don't want you to think I'm just talking about me. I'm talking about you too. Before you made it here tonight, you had parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and pastors and youth pastors praying for you because they don't want you to be in this world alone. And when I tell you that we are not in this alone, I want you to know and understand. I'm going to give you a great example in just a minute. I'm going to show you how together we're really supposed to be. How important it is to have a great connection between us and God. Jacob fought for that. Fought with an angel. I have fought with a three-year-old and given up. But Jacob was willing to fight with heaven and not give up. Okay? I have been into a, a fight before and gave up right away because I just knew something was not going to work out for me. Jacob 
was insistent. I want you to think about something in your life very quickly about something that you just refused to quit on. You were close to quitting. Wyatt, have you ever been close to quitting? You ever just felt like this all sucks and I shouldn't participate in it anymore? I just need to move on, right? I think that's happened to all of us. Spencer, has that ever happened to you? You just felt like this is just enough. I'm done. I'm going to go be a heathen. I'm sorry. That's a biblical word, but I really use it in my everyday language. And I felt like that before. I've just felt like this is just, this is just hard. And I'm, I want to be done. I'm tired of the, um, the comparison or the feeling like I always have to measure up. Have any of you ever felt that way? Like it's just, it just gets annoying. I'm going to try my absolute best to give you some hope tonight to combat all of those feelings, all of those uncertainties, all of those feelings of I'm not good enough or I'm scared or I'm insecure or I'm not handsome enough or I'm not pretty enough or I'm not talented enough, or God won't anoint me like he anoints this person, or God can't use me, or because I come from this family, I can't do anything for God, or because my dad was an alcoholic, that means I'm going to be one too, or that because my mom's not living for God anymore means that, you know, I'm just going to probably end up on the same path, so I might as well give up. Please, please, please hear this, this preacher tonight. I'm, I'm urging you to never give up, but in order to fight that, we have to have something. Now, I told you already, and Jacob explained the great connection between us and heaven. That is insurmountable in our relationship with God and with other people. We have to have a connection with heaven. But there is another great connection. Jesus said when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Nobody asked him what the second was. He, I don't even think he said the second. Maybe he did. He, I, can't, I don't have it in my notes. But he put them together for a reason. So with this ladder as an example, and I want to let you guys know, my great uncle, Leland Briggs, used the example of a ladder when talking with me many times throughout my, my life and with other people. And what he said to me was something that will stick with me forever and something I will always try to apply to my life. And so we're going to use that ladder here in just a minute. But I want to share a couple of scriptures with you first. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this. Now remember, I'm talking about the great connection. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage and comfort one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Colossians 3.13 says this, Be gentle and forbearing with one another, and if one has a difference, a grievance or complaint against another, readily pardoning each other, even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, so you must also forgive. So the great connection is not just us and God. The great connection is each other as well. Remy, can you come up here and help me? Wyatt, can you come up here? And Mason DeVille, are you here?
Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and does not have another to lift him up. Mason, can you stand in the middle of those two guys? Put your arms around their shoulders and go absolutely limp. And I want you guys to hold him up. He's heavy, right? He's a big kid. Now, see if you can follow me across this platform. It's tough. But you know why they're able to do it? Because they've been praying, and they've been fasting, and they've had good church attendance. So when, when their brother falls, they're here to help him. If he applies this scripture we just read... Ecclesiastes 4.10, for if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and does not have another to lift him up. Do not ever fall alone. Do not ever fall alone and have somebody else to help you and lift you up. Do not ever think that I have to go through this by myself because nobody cares. Do not ever think that I have to go through this alone because poor me, I'm alone, and I'm just going to be a burden to somebody, and they're off having a good time with their friends, or they're doing this, or they're probably busy with work, so there's no way they're going to want to help me. Please, 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 do not fall into that trap that the devil will tell you that you're not worth the help. Your brothers and sisters will help you. They will carry you. Let's go to the ladder. I want to show you guys another example. Remy, if you would climb to the top. Brother Brendan, are you in here? Can you come help me for a second? That's good right there. That's good. Maybe, maybe, maybe come down one. I want you to hold the ladder. Now, Mason, I want you to climb up behind Remy. Wyatt, I want you to climb behind Mason. Tristan, can you come hold the ladder too? Just in case. Now, in Job 6.14, said this, For the despairing man, there should be kindness from his friend, so that he does not abandon and turn away from the fear of the Almighty. There should be kindness from his friend. I'm sorry, that was... Yeah, I did get lost. I'm sorry. Do you, guys understand, do you guys see what's going on right here? We have three people climbing the ladder and two people holding it. And I want, I want to help you understand something here. At every single point in your life, every point, whether you are a kid in the room, whether you're a teenager, a young adult, a middle-aged adult, or an older adult, I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> At any point in our life, I firmly believe with all my heart, and I believe that the word teaches this, that we need people around us to help us. And I believe that it is good for us to have somebody above us. I believe it's good for us to have somebody that we're reaching down towards. And I believe it's good we have stable leadership around us, keeping everything we do stable. I believe... That no matter where you are in life, you have to be pushing up the next person. So symbolize 
Think about yourself in Mason's position right now. Mason's in the middle. And you need to always be pushing someone else forward. You need to always be lifting up somebody that's ahead of you. Not, not being jealous of them. Not worried about what they're doing. Not questioning whether or not God knows what he's doing by using them. Not thinking lightly of them, but respecting the calling on their life. And you need to be pushing them forward. Just like if they're above you on the ladder, you're helping them get higher and higher. And then in that same token, you need to be looking down to whoever's below you and you need to be saying, okay, I'm where I'm at and that's good and I'm going to lift that next person up, but I'm also going to be looking down to somebody else and I'm going to be teaching them a Bible study. I'm going to be encouraging them. I'm going to be helping them through every failure that they might have. And this person is going to in turn do the exact same thing and he's going to lift him up. But in that same process, guess what? You need a youth pastor in your life. To stabilize things, you need a worship leader in your life to lead you in worship, to lead you into the presence of the Lord. You need a pastor. You need a church to help you through these things. You see, the great connection between us and heaven is good, but, but the great connection between us and heaven will eventually fall apart if we think we're just connecting with God all by ourselves. We've got to have each other. We've got to have other people. We've got to support each other. If at any point the devil came and Remy was at the top of this ladder trying to reach a goal, trying to achieve something, and he didn't have his friend below him pushing him forward, he didn't have the next guy pushing him forward, he didn't have two people stabilizing the ladder, the devil would knock this thing over and he would fall on his face. And it works the same in every position of this ladder. These guys... If you have a pastor or a leader around you holding things together and encouraging you and leading you, guess what? If they see that you've completely gotten off the ladder and you're not even participating anymore, then it's hard on your pastor too and the devil's going to come for him too. Your pastor needs your support. Your pastor needs your encouragement as well. When you sit on the front row and you say amen as your pastor's preaching, that's encouraging to him. When, your pastor, when, when it's Pastor Appreciation Month, it's great that we appreciate our pastor, but I strongly believe we need to encourage them and pray for them and, and be thankful for them year-round because they do so much for us. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a youth pastor and because I love my pastor. I believe it's a, such a strong part of the church and such a strong way that we are to have unity with each other is to support our leaders and to support our brothers and sisters as they climb these ladders, whether it be spiritual or in another way. This guy just got married. Guess what? He needs support in that. Him and his wife have been married for two weeks. Should they go to somebody who has never been married before and ask them for advice? No. If they need any kind of marital advice, they need to talk to married people who've been having a successful marriage for a little while, right? So guess what? You're not in this alone. Your pastor, your youth pastor, your family, your parents, they've all got to be part of your ladder. We all need a ladder in our life. We need people that are holding it up. We need people that we're pushing forward, and we need people that we're lifting up that are below us. Amen? You guys tired yet? Y'all can go sit down if you want to. I appreciate you so much. We can leave the ladder there, though. Now, at thank you, guys. Remy, were you a little nervous? Good, good. I'm glad. I, I would have been nervous. That's why I didn't climb the ladder. I just stay right here with the microphone where I'm comfortable. Job 
says, The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. It's important that we pray for our friends. Now, as I told you at the very beginning of this, I've got scripture to share with you. I, I am trying to remove as much of myself as possible so that we understand exactly what the word tells us. I'm going to read that one more time, and I, I want us all to really think about it. And I want, I want you to take just a few seconds as I read this and do a self-evaluation and ask yourself, have you really been praying for your friends enough? The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Psalm 133 and 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant is it for brothers to dwell together in unity. Unity. That's a small word, but it is so, so powerful. Alone, it won't work. Alone, the, 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 the culture of this world is going to eat at you. And the devil is going to do his best to attack you. And your own thought processes will, will attack you. As a matter of fact, if it's okay with you guys, if, if, if y'all disagree with me, we can talk about it after the service. But I really think, I, even though he does try to attack us and he does try to hurt us and he's got a stranglehold on this world, I believe us Christians give the devil too much credit. I believe a lot of times it's... it's ourselves that get in our way more it's it's our own flesh we have certain desires that that we fall into and we give the devil credit and we say the devil's always after us and the devil made me do this and the devil made you do that the devil can't make you do anything now he can tempt you i know that because he tempted jesus and every time he tempted jesus do you know what jesus did to win that that fight he said it is written and he used the word to defeat the devil. So when we're in a battle with the devil, we need to do that. We need to use the word. But in the same way, when we're in a battle with ourselves, we need to use the word. And the word is telling us so much tonight that unity is powerful. Remy, if I'm going through something and I need help, I know that you're somebody I can call and ask to pray for me. But if I stay stuck and try to go through it myself, I'm going to lose. We cannot do this alone. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, explain unity and friendship like this. Above all, have fervent and unfailing love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. Have any of you ever been treated unkindly? Have any of you ever felt like somebody was being selfish in the relationship? We're called to love anyways. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Do we have any complainers in the house? I'm a complainer. We got to be honest with ourselves if we, if we want to beat this. We got to be honest with ourselves if we want to overcome our sins, our temptations, our flesh. We can't, God cannot bless who we pretend to be. God's only going to bless who you really are, and you've got to be honest with yourself. I'm a complainer, and I know that I need help with it. Just as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, Employ it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace, faithfully using the diverse, varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. Unmerited 
favor. He didn't have to give this to us. You didn't have to be born in the United States of America, a free country where you can receive God's word, a free country where you can pray, you can worship. I, want, I just want to tell you guys that there are people around the world that have to hide in underground bunkers to have church. And, and we don't really understand how good we got it. And I'm not saying that to shame you or to make you feel bad or feel uncomfortable. I just want, I'm even trying to remind myself how good we got it. There's so many times when we come together on, on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning or at a youth rally. And, you know, it just feels like, oh, yay, it's another service. It's cool. They're going to sing a few songs. The preacher's going to say a few things from the Bible. We're going to pray. We're going to eat. And we're going to go about our business. We are going to do all those things. But we really, really, really misunderstand how good we got it. And, and I really don't even think that we understand fully what we got. We don't just got, we don't just have church. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if I like the term good church anymore. Have any of you ever said that? I'm guilty, again, that we've had good church or we had such good church the pastor didn't even preach or we had such good church Yesterday, I'm so tired. We had good church. There's bobby pins all over the floor. We had such good church. I'm sweating. We had such good church. The preacher had to undo his tie while he was preaching. Here is good church. When we leave the church and be the church. Good church is not in a building. Good church is each and every one of you taking what we have in these church buildings and sharing it with everybody else that we come in contact with. That's good church. That's what we're called to do. When we come together in God's house, it is vitally important to our great connection with him and with each other. But it is to build us up. It is to strengthen us. It is for us to learn. It is for us to receive healing. It is for us to overcome addictions. But then it is for us to take it out there. That's good church. Good church cannot stay in these walls. Amen? John 15, 12 through 15 says this. This is my commandment, that you love and unselfishly seek the best for one another. Just as I have loved you, no one has greater love nor stronger commitment than to lay down his life for his friends. This is Jesus saying this, you are my friends. If you keep on doing what I command you, I do not call you servants any longer. For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you my friends. Because I have revealed everything that I have heard from my father. I really like this church. I mean, I'm sorry, I really like this song that we sing in church called I Am a Friend of God. Any of you know that? And it reminds me of this scripture. I like to say that I'm a servant of God, but I'm also his friend. I'm also his friend, and I want you to be his friend too. We have to apply these scriptures. We have to apply this word in order for that to happen. Proverbs 19.20 is something that goes back to the ladder that we talked about earlier is having leadership in our life. And it says this, listen to counsel, receive instruction, and accept correction that you may be wise in the time to come. I know without a shadow of a doubt that I cannot do what I'm doing today as far as standing in front of you and doing my best to share God's word being a husband and a father and serving in other capacities that I have, I would not be able to do that as well as I do if I did not have godly leadership in my life. And I believe that is so important for all of us. 
So in the same way that we've climbed the ladder, we saw people climb the ladder, that term is also used in the career world, in, in job sites and in businesses. It is called climbing the ladder. And I think each and every one of us need to realize that whenever we climb the ladder, at least in the career world, climbing the ladder is looked at as that's how you're going to be successful, by climbing the ladder. And Jesus, I think, wanted to emphasize more than climbing the ladder, more than being success, he, he said this so many times that the first shall be last. He said that, that we're called to, to do things for others. It's not about me. If I can get to the top of this ladder, but I'm all by myself, then getting to the top was pointless. I'm going to get knocked over real fast. We have to, have to, have to have each other. So I didn't put this scripture in here, but I'm going to reference it, and um, I hope you guys uh, have heard it before. But it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That means that this world that, that we're so uncomfortable in, I don't know if you guys are uncomfortable yet, but, but when I look around at the news, I just get mad. I, I try not to even watch the news anymore because it just makes me angry. I get so uncomfortable. It, it just, it, 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 some of it, y'all, can I just be plain? Some of it's just gross. It, it's just sick. The things I'm seeing on the news or on the internet or on social media, it is just absolutely disgusting. But here's the problem I have with myself when I feel gross and disgusted by it. The reason why we're not supposed to feel gross and disgusted by it is because that's what we're supposed to expect from the devil. I think we end up acting shocked and surprised by evil, and we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be. I think, Abby Rose, I think we might have had this conversation before because I don't know um, how much y'all know, but Abby Rose fights for life and is a pro-life advocate and works at the Sin Law Pregnancy Center and and does so many things to help fight for, for unborn babies. And in that process, there are some sick, twisted individuals that have even tried to attack her and say things about Christians who fight for life. And I had to put myself in check one day because I was just getting so, so mad and angry. I saw something on Instagram one day. Somebody had said something bad about Abby Rose, and I wanted to fight them. I think I even responded to your, to your Instagram. I, I, wanted to go, I wanted to go throw hands with these people. But the word says... We wrestle not against flesh and blood. So what can we do when we're grossed out by the world? Well, we're supposed to pray. But what else can we do? We pray together. We help each other. We understand that the armor of God is what we need to have on. And every part of the armor of God, did you know, is for defense, is to defend yourself. I learned this. I mentioned him earlier, but I learned this from Brother A.J. Holloway a while back. And... He explained how back in biblical times, they would use a two-edged sword, not for battle, but for trimming fat off of meat. Before the meat was sacrificed, they had to trim the fat off of it. Whenever they would sacrifice an animal unto the Lord, before Jesus died for our sins, they would do animal sacrifices to get rid of their sins or just to make atonements to God. They would do animal sacrifices, and a two-edged sword was used to trim the fat from the animal. The Bible is referenced as what? Being sharper than any two-edged sword. So when I think about God's word, I don't want to just think 
And it's okay to think this. It's okay to have this. But the Bible is not just for our encouragement and inspiration. The Bible is also supposed to be used by us to put ourselves in check and trim the fat. We've got to trim parts of ourselves away so that we can really do the absolute best when we're on this ladder. Because if, if I'm in the middle and I got somebody strong above me and somebody strong below me, I could mess up the whole process if I'm not trimming the fat with God's word. I've got to make sure I've got the right people around it holding me up. I've got to make sure that the fat is trimmed. So we have to have the entire armor of God to defend ourselves against the attacks of the enemy. And we've got to understand how to pray. But we've got to also understand that the sword of the Spirit is to trim the fat. I don't believe the sword of the Spirit is always, and again, I, I, I don't want y'all to think I'm trying to mess with your theology and, and say something that's crazy. But I don't believe this is always... Because people are giving this a lot of credit nowadays, and I'm not saying that they're wrong, but, I gotta say, but I'm saying we have to put things into perspective. This is not always just for fighting the devil. It's for fighting yourself. We are born flawed and messed up, and we have problems, and we have insecurities, and we have anxiety, and we have depression, and I don't know about any of you, I have OCD. I get really uncomfortable if something's out of place. Does that, does that happen to anybody else? Just like something not where it's supposed to be? It's like I can't even sit and be comfortable. In, in our youth room on Wednesday nights, if we have this closet door over to the left, and sometimes they shut off the lights when we do worship, and then they go to turn the lights back on, and then somebody doesn't close the door all the way, and I'm like, it just makes me shake, and i got to go close the door before I could get up and preach. But that's a problem I have. I've got to put myself in check with that. So in the same way, we have these spiritual problems or we have these fleshly problems. We've got to allow God to put us in check and he'll do it through his word. Amen. Is this making sense to you guys? In order to connect, to have a successful, great connection with God, we've got to have each other. I'm almost finished. If y'all would stand, remind me that I'm done. We're going to do the altar call a little bit different tonight, if that's okay with you guys. And, and I'm really, really sorry. I used to hate when, when preachers did this. So y'all can be mad at me, or you can forgive me, or you can just go with it and trust that God told me to do it. The entire message tonight was about a great connection between us and God, but also with each other. So what I'm going to ask you to do is, for our altar call, I... I trust that, that you're all ready to pray and that we've received God's word and that we understand the scriptures that we've read and understand the connection that we have to have with each other and how this ladder works and how it needs to be a symbol for our life. In order for that to happen, we have to have each other. So whether you are you know, with your youth group or your youth pastor or you're young or you're old, I want us to get into groups and pray together. So I don't want anybody coming to the altar as an individual. I want you coming with a few people. And nobody is alone. We're all going to do this together. If you came by yourself, I'll meet you right here and you can be part of my group if you came alone. And I'll pray with you. But if you have somebody here with you tonight, whether you came with your youth group or your friends or your, your husband or your boyfriend or whoever, let's all, come, let's all come to the front right now with a group. 
If you're really uncomfortable and you want to stay in your pew, that's fine. I'll come to you and we can pray together. And I think, hey, Spencer, if we, we don't have music for a few minutes, that's okay. I'm not trying to be weird or make you guys uncomfortable. And they'll get up and do some music in just a few minutes, but we've become too reliant on that. Because a lot of times, I'm just going to be totally honest with you guys, I am, I am fully trusting God to take care of me and all of my needs. And the reason why is because I've been through, been through a few things, and not for a second has God let me down. Not once. Things might not have went my way, but God hasn't let me down. And throughout this entire process of me going through some things, I just want to let you, I'll just, I'll let you guys know. I got hurt at work in the federal prison in 2020, in December. And no, you can't sit down. I heard my wife. In December of 2020, I hurt my knee inside the prison. 13 months later, workers' comp finally approved surgery after going through several different doctors and battling with them, had surgery on my knee. It was an unsuccessful surgery. I had a torn meniscus. Mason, you just had one of those. My successful, my, my surgery didn't go right. And now I need a second surgery. And I've been fighting for that. In October of last year, my doctor told me not to return to work. He wanted me to go to physical therapy and have, and rest my knee and do physical therapy three times a week. And I was told at the very beginning of the process to follow doctor's orders. From the end of October until now, Federal Workers' Comp, the Federal Bureau of Prisons, whoever we want to blame, they have not paid me. From the end of October until now, like they're supposed to, like I am owed, they have not done what they were supposed to do. But here's what I want to tell you guys. Every time I started to worry or doubt or get afraid, God winked at me and said, I got you. Every single time. Just yesterday, was it today? No, it was yesterday. Just yesterday, and I won't tell you all the details, but just yesterday, somebody blessed me and my wife. We had no idea it was coming or no, we had no explanation. We have no way to explain it. We didn't even tell this person we needed anything. Person comes to our house and, and says, hey, I've got something. I want to bless you with it. I've got too much. You, you use this and you take care of it. And I need to help you and your family. Please don't rob me of my blessing, is what this sweet lady said to us. Please don't rob me of my blessing. And Kimberly said, okay, we won't rob you of your blessing. Several months ago, my pastor asked me to come pick him up and take him up to the church. His wife was using his vehicle, and he saw my gas tank was empty. He said, Mason, go up to the gas station. I'm going to fill up your tank. And I said, no, Pastor, that's okay. I just put gas in it. He said, Mason, you got a quarter of a tank. And I said, yeah, I could only put a few bucks. But in a couple weeks, God will show up and I'll put a little bit more. He said, no, I'm filling up your tank. Go to the gas station right now and don't disobey me again. I said, yes, sir. Every single step of the way. And I know this is just, this is just a few snippets of my story and how God has taken care of me. But it doesn't matter to God what you're going through or how hard it looks to you. And I'm not diminishing how hard it is. I believe you're going through hard things. I believe that there are people in the room that have crippling anxiety. 
I believe that you've been depressed. I believe that you have temptations coming at you all the time. I believe that somebody in this room is battling with pornography and and self-loathing, and you're battling with what you should even do tonight after this youth rally. But God is going to show up as soon as you call on his name. But he doesn't just want you to call on his name. He wants you to connect with each other. Because he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? It was love God and each other. Love each other. The best way we can love each other is to pray for each other. And when we pray for each other, I'm I'm urging you guys to do this moving forward. I know we're going to pray in just a second. But I'm urging you guys to do this moving forward. When you pray for somebody, communicate with them. Remy, if you pray for me tomorrow, text me. Brother Mason, I prayed for you at church. Because sometimes people are going through this world and they feel like they're all alone. They have no idea that anybody is wanting good things for them. So encouraging words matter and they help too. I know there's no music playing. I know that I didn't give away gift cards tonight and do some games. This is all by design. God has a different plan for us than just a regular youth rally. So for the next few minutes, I want you to pray with somebody. Pray in your group. Pray with a few people. Pray with one person. Do not leave this room until you have prayed for somebody and somebody has prayed for you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it changes and impacts your life for days to come. If you would like to connect with us further, give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash Church, or just search Centerpoint Pentecostal Church on Facebook. If you would like to join one of our services in person, the service times and address are in the podcast description. Thank you and God bless, and we hope to see you on the next episode.